Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. Great to have you guys with us. We hope you had a fun Christmas, Hanukkah, and holiday week. Joining me for the Texans postgame show, my co-host, Stephen Kerr, who's hopefully a little bit healthier this week, maybe, Stephen? Well, you know, I uh, I think I suffered a little uh, Christmas uh, relapse or something, Robert. I don't know, but uh, and I don't know if it's allergies or what. But the month of December can't end soon enough for me, and probably can't end soon enough for the Texans because it means the postseason's here. So maybe we'll all be healthy as we get into the new year and the postseason, and the Texans can actually make us all feel healthier. Yeah, no real drama going into the Titans game. The Texans knew they were hosting the Bills once the Chiefs won. But Steven, it was weird because I was rooting for the Texans to lose. I think they benefit from the loss. If you get by Buffalo, you don't want the Ravens in the second round. So if the Patriots lose in the wild card game, you'd be going to KC instead of Baltimore. The Texans have proven they can go to Arrowhead and win. And Steven, I like the Titans' chances of beating the Patriots more than the Steelers or the Raiders' chances. Well, I do too. I, I mean, the Patriots have shown they're vulnerable even at home. I mean, they allowed the Dolphins to beat them at home. What in the world was that about? And, you know, the the Chargers almost helped the Texans be the third seed, but, you know, they gave up uh, several big plays. They gave up a 105-yard kickoff return, a big uh, 84-yard touchdown run by Darian Williams, and the, the Chiefs basically took over. So, you know, with the Patriots losing and the Chiefs winning – the, the Patriots, that, that's the first time that they have not had a first-round buy since, I believe, is it 2009? It's been like 10 years. Seems like forever. But, yeah, it's just a weird scenario how the uh, postseason is shaping up, especially in the AFC. You feel like it might be time to start singing taps or playing taps a little bit on the on the Brady and Belichick era? Is, there, is, this, is this really – I mean – Brady, I, I don't know if he's done because his, his receiving core, the, the guy, I mean, we saw them. The receiving core is not good. But at the same time, uh, I, I, you have to worry about Brady just a little bit because it used to be where I uh, just put anybody with Brady and they'd be fine. Their offense would be fine. And the defense has been pretty good this year. It's the offense that's a problem. Yeah, the, the receivers haven't been good. But I, I think a lot of it is the, the injury to Brady's elbow, I think, is affecting him more and more every week. And I think that has as much to do with it as anything because, and of course the age, I mean, let's face it, Brady's not a spring chicken anymore. I know he thinks he can play till he's 50 probably, but what is the old saying? Father time is undefeated. So maybe this is the year. And you know, if the Texans could just get a bit of consistency in the postseason where they haven't had such consistency, the way things are shaping up in the AFC with the, the Patriots, maybe being a little down, Hey, anything can happen, Robert. That's that's what the, is so exciting about the postseason. You got to get there first, and the Texans got there. They they didn't need to go eleven and five, but it would have been nice. It looks good on the record. But being the fourth seed, they do play their first game at home. So after that, anything is possible. So you just have to hope that maybe the Texans can sneak in the back door to the AFC Championship and beyond. Yeah, it would have been interesting, Stephen. I don't know what, what you were thinking about the Texans just benching everybody because the inactives were Kenny Stills, Bradley Roby, Will Fuller, uh, Tunsil, McKinney, DJ Reader, you know, Deshaun, DeAndre, Nick Martin were active, but they didn't start. But if the Chiefs hadn't won that game, the Texans had a chance at the three seed. You know, Bill O'Brien was just, he's kind of saying, forget about it. You know, this they, they made the, that list way before 
game time. But I'm of the opinion that it would have been nice to have the three seed and just say, hey, we take care of our business. We don't have to face the Ravens in week two. Yeah, you might have to beat the Ravens eventually, but that looks like the juggernaut of the NFL right now. I mean, they've won, what, a zillion in a row? Yeah, I don't know how much coaches really think about that sort of thing, When, especially if you stack it up against health. I think that's really the number one thing is that they just want to make sure that they come out as healthy as possible and they'll take their chances. You know, when it, when it's in another team's hands, like the Texans or because the Chiefs won, then there's nothing the Texans could have done. Now, if the Texans had had their own destiny in their hands, I, I think they sh- probably should have gone out and tried to get the third seed. But I, I imagine a lot of what we saw is that the coaches just wanted to make sure that they had a healthy Deshaun Watson, a healthy DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, Carlos Hyde played a little bit, but not much. You know, Duke Johnson played some, not a whole lot. But yeah, a lot of the defensive players were out. So I, I think that's really what you saw and, and why you saw it in the case of why there were so many inactive players from the starters. I was kind of surprised J. Joe played some, and, and then he, he went out of the game with an injury. We know his injury history. I was surprised that Justin Reed was out there at all with uh, all the times that he's dealt with his shoulder. I figured they just want to give him some rest and make sure he's 100%. But you mentioned, uh, we mentioned all the guys that did not play in this Titans game. But, you know, A.J. McCarron, watching him, the only thing I could think of by about the late in the third quarter, early fourth quarter was, uh, you know, is that whole scene in Rocky. Do you remember the original Rocky where, you know, Rocky gets in there and he's just uh, going back and forth with Apollo early in the fight. And all of a sudden uh, (laughs) Apollo goes over to his trainer and remember his trainer, Duke Evers says to Apollo, he doesn't think this is a damn show. He thinks it's a damn fight. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, it was good to see McCarron in there because, you, you know, I mean, he hadn't been in all season, which is a good thing because that means Deshaun was healthy enough to stay in most of all of, all of the season. But it was good to see McCarron get some snaps. And, you know, I, I thought he played well considering he didn't make any silly mistakes. I mean, he didn't have that interception late in the fourth quarter, but really it, it, it wasn't a terrible throw on his part. And the game was pretty much out of reach at that point. So I kind of liked him. I mean, he, he showed some flashes. I mean, he hooked up with Stephen Mitchell on several nice plays. I, I understand from what I read that they practice a lot together during the week. So, you know, that tandem looked pretty good. So for a game that really didn't mean anything, it at least, I mean, it, it did kind of have a feel at the beginning, Robert. It, it just kind of reminded me of a preseason game, maybe not a, a throwaway game like the final preseason game where you see none of the veterans, but it but it still had kind of that preseason feel when you had McCarron starting and a bunch of other, you know, backups in the offense and defense playing. But yeah, McCarron looked pretty good today. Yeah, I thought he was really good considering uh, his offensive line kind of stunk because you didn't have uh, Laramie Tunsil out there and Nick Martin uh, wasn't playing. I didn't think Greg Mance uh, to, uh, to Nick Martin would be that big of a difference, but Greg Mance apparently doesn't know his snap counts or something like that. So that, that was an issue, but he didn't have DeAndre Hopkins to throw to. He didn't have Kenny Stills to throw to, and he was accurate. And, and I thought he knew where to go with the football most of the time. It, all the stuff that I, I'm looking for, and the only thing he couldn't do that Deshaun does is he couldn't run away from some of the pressure and avoid some of the sacks because there were guys coming at him just untouched. And, you know, you're, you're not going to do anything when that happens. That's right. But guess what A.J. McCarron did that Deshaun Watson has not been able to do this whole season? 
Yeah, he, he scored. scored on the first drive, a touchdown on the first drive. So, Robert, I tell you what, it's taken me all season to figure this out. But I have a proposition for you. Uh, here, here's what I'm proposing. I think the Texans should be a pioneer, and they should they should have an opener, you know, like they do in Major League Baseball. They should have A.J. McCarron come in, start the offense on the first drive. Yeah. The Texans can score. Then you take him out. Then you put Deshaun Watson in as your starter. Be an opener. You know, I think it'd be a great idea for the Texans yeah, to be a yeah. pioneer. I was thinking of the same thing. I was right with you on that one. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was really impressive the way they went down the field in a game where you figured they're just throwing in the white towel, basically. And, and that first drive, he just walks them down the field. I mean, the running game looked pretty good as well. Uh, you mentioned Carlos Hyde. Duke Johnson didn't play a ton, but they were playing on that first drive for sure. And you know what? Speaking of the running game, I was really surprised at how well Taiwan Jones played. He doesn't ever get a chance to run with the football, and yet he looked really good. He, I, I was always concerned. What if there's an injury? Because the Texans never seem to care about the third and fourth running back unless it's in special teams. But honestly, I mean, Taiwan Jones shocked the. He shocked me. He was. He had some skills. Uh, he made some plays in the running game. Uh, I was totally impressed. And if you look at the final yardage, Taiwan Jones had 4.4 yards a carry on nine carries. Not too shabby. Yeah, he certainly did look good. And of course, you know, they had hopes for him coming into the season that he might add at least some depth to the running game. And he's played well in the special teams. That's mainly where we've seen him. But yeah, on that one drive in the third quarter, he had a couple of nine-yard runs. He had a five-yard run. So... Yeah, Taiwan Jones uh, definitely uh, made himself look very good in the game on Sunday. We're going to get to Buffalo in a bit because obviously that's the first game. But before we get to Buffalo, other big news this week. And just recently it was uh, announced that Whitney Merciless got a four-year, $54 million contract extension, $24 million guaranteed. Brian Anger, three-year extension worth $6 million. Uh, he has looked really good this year. Uh, I, I don't know what to think about that. I got some thoughts. What, what about you? Where are you on this Whitney Merciless extension? Well, it's really not surprising. And I, I know we talked about this kind of in the last podcast. I, I really think that unless you think you can find somebody in the free agent market, which, you know, the Texans really haven't been that aggressive in the free agent market of finding a really good whatever position we're talking about. So unless you think you're going to find somebody that's even comparable to Whitney Merciless, I think you have to bring him back, especially I, I know J.J. Watt. He's supposed to come back and probably will play in the Buffalo game. But you just don't know from year to year his health. You know, without him in the lineup, the pass rush has almost been non-existent. So if you take Whitney Merciless out of there, I, I mean, I, I just I think the Texans had to bring him back, at, at least at this point. I, I don't have a lot of problem with the with the deal. And as for Brian Anger. He's had a pretty good season, you know. He's he certainly has added uh, some good depth to the punting game and done well with that. So that wasn't a huge surprise. I I guess I was a little more surprised with that, but Whitney Merciless, not so much. Yeah, here here's where I'm at on on this Merciless deal because he doesn't show me a lot unless JJ Watt is in the game. So is he just a guy at this point? Is he any better or worse than I don't know Jacob Martin or Barkevius Mingo who even flashed a little bit? Uh, on the game Sunday. And I, here's the deal. You got to have enough money in the piggy bank for Bradley Roby and DJ reader who are free agents this off season. So you just wonder about the amount of money. It's not the re-signing of merciless. Obviously it's about the the price tag there. 
And those two guys, Roby and Reader, I think are more valuable than Merciless in the long run and more valuable, frankly, in the short run. And even more importantly, you got to have money for Tunsil and Zach Cunningham and Deshaun, who are still a year away from free agency. Merciless, pretty much $24 million guaranteed, tells me he's locked up uh, that money for two years. That guaranteed money is pretty much going to be on a two-year window before you can cut him for, for no money at all. And, and frankly, Zach Cunningham, like I said, he's one of the guys that you're looking at signing in a year. He's 10 times, 10 times better than Whitney Merciless. Steven, they just opened a giant can of worms with this. That's what I'm scared of. Well, the only thing that I guess surprised me about is I thought they would wait till after the season just to kind of see how the rest of the season played out with him. I, I didn't expect them to do it this soon, you know, with the postseason coming up. So I guess the, the timing of it, I guess, is what kind of caught, you know, raised my eyebrows a bit. No, you have some valid arguments, but and and if, if there's one thing I would like to see from Whitney Merciless, it's more consistency. Now, last year he was playing out of position and he was injured. So, you know, not making excuses, but those are two things you could point to then. This year, I think it's just been a matter of inconsistency, and I, I would like to see him get more consistent, especially if you're going to pay him that kind of money, $54 million over four years. So, yeah, I'd like to see a more consistent Whitney Merciless. And these other guys you've got to think about wrapping up, but of course – we don't know what other moves they're going to make, you know, between now and then that could pave the way for some of those things to happen. I asked our Twitter followers what they thought of the Merciless extension. What do you think they said, Stephen? Do you think more people liked the extension or didn't like it? Uh, I would say maybe maybe 60 percent said they were OK with it. That would be my guess. Oh, it was kind of overwhelming. I mean, 66 votes total, 75.8 uh, percent said they were good okay. with the extension. So they which, were okay with it. Uh, yeah, I was I'm a little bit surprised about that. Uh, the, the Texans fans usually aren't happy with much of anything that Bill O'Brien does. So if, well, that was they, why my guess was a little bit low. I, you know, I just thought maybe something like that. They were more concerned about uh, about some other things like you were. So Let, let's go to the, the playoffs because, uh, you know, this is pretty much this game's not much to talk about. So the Texans, they get the bills in the afternoon game Saturday. Steven, this game will be 27 years and one day since the Oilers blew that 35-3 to lead against the Bills up in Buffalo. Message to the Texans organization, Frank Reich is not allowed in NRG Stadium on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, he, he can't have a ticket. He uh, can't have a seat. Uh, can, you, I, I, can you imagine what would happen or what would have happened if that game had been played in Houston? You know, the, the I remember that game for more than just the fact that the Oilers blew that 35-3 to lead. It just so happened that two days before, my son was born, and we brought him home the day that the Oilers lost to the Bills. So I guess you could say that the only thing that kept me from yelling and screaming and ranting and, and just, you know, having a meltdown from that game is because we brought my son home. So, you know, that, that sort of <laughs> swashed things a bit. But yeah... Brings back some very bitter memories. So the, the Texans getting a win against Buffalo uh, would certainly be nice. Oh, what a way to come into the world. Uh, to, yeah, to, I'll say. <laughs> Oilers <laughs> catastrophe. Welcome welcome to our world. This is what it's like to be an Oilers fan. But obviously, uh, he, he was too young probably to ever root for the Oilers. Me and RG actually well, watched it. Well, what's funny the- of that, he, he was never an Oilers fan. He he was more of a college, he, he's a big UT fan, and he really didn't get into the NFL, but when he did, he was a Patriots fan. So how's that for a, 
Yeah. How's that for turning the tables on the dad, huh? I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna get on you for your uh, parenting skills if he's a Patriots yeah, fan. Apparently. But yeah, I was about to say, me and RG, we uh, we watched that game together, and it was oh, we, we we were ready to throw stuff. I remember people were shooting their televisions uh, in, in Houston, and uh, I just remember being so angry. And we went outside. I think we played a game of basketball to get out our frustrations. This was, I guess, back in around college or towards the end of college or something like that. Uh, I think yeah, it was right at the end of college for both of us. So. Um, yeah, I remember that game, uh, way too well and, uh, tried to forget it for like 27 years, but, uh, can't seem to get, get it out of my head. Oh, brother. Well, I guess the Texans can get a eh, little bit of revenge by at least knocking Buffalo out of the first round of the playoffs. So I, I guess that'll help a little bit. Yeah. Good for all of you people that are listening that have no memory of that. Uh, some of you, I'm sure it's before you were born or. You were just real little kids at the time. Uh, J.J. Watt, you know, we didn't talk about J.J. a ton last week, Stephen, because I I think we've already talked about the fact that he was going to be back or likely going to be back for the playoffs. But that was, you know, kind of put in big letters and big magic marker over the last week and a half. And and he's back. And Stephen, I predicted the Texans would be better against the run without Watt once he went down because he tends to be out of position and over pursue. But I got to say, I was wrong. They're giving up 60 more yards on the ground without Watt. I just saw that today. Well, let me tell you, even a somewhat healthy J.J. Watt, I'll take my chances with him being in there than somebody else. So, and, and I mean, we just, you, you can't count the guy out when, when you think that there's no way he could come back for the season. Even, a, I mean, a pectoral injury, a lot of it just depends. But this is J.J. Watt you're talking about. He was not going to stay down for long. And he comes back just in time for the playoffs. So even if he can contribute on a small level, it, even just for the fact that the opposing teams know he's out there, the, the opposing offensive line is going to have to face him. They're going to double team him. Whether he's healthy or not, they know he's going to be a threat. So that can only help the Texans defense as a whole. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking at this defense right now, and it's, it's not good. I mean, Deshaun Watson's going to have to go out there and win games, but at least if Watt comes in, the, comes in and plays and and gives you a little bit of an impact, n- now you have a a little chance of a pass rush, and maybe you know just getting him back, a bunch of different guys get better. It's the ripple effect, it's the domino effect, and, th- and that's what you're hoping for because this defense, you know, they're they're just you're you're basically hoping can we get off the field on a third down every now and then that's that's all you're looking for you're not looking for shutting a team down just get off the field you know uh, three or four times a game so that the Texans offense can get out there and and maybe put uh put put the team you get the team in the, with the chance to win the game well that has been i think the biggest problem and it showed in the Titans game today i know at one point in the game the Titans were like 5 of 10 on third downs that's 50% the, the Texans have got to get back. I mean, they, they stop them on first and second down, do pretty well, but they give up the big pass or the big run on, on third down and long. You know, third and long, that's usually a disadvantage for the offense. And, and it's, but it, apparently the, the Texans' defense, it seems to be a disadvantage because they just have had so many problems on third down. So if they could just nail that down a bit better and get off the field more, then they're well rested. You know, then they give the offense better chances. So, yeah, I would definitely like to see the Texans do much better on third downs. Maybe it's recency bias because you look at this past week and obviously against the Titans, uh, you got no DJ Reader, 
Watt, of course, is not playing. And then also uh, Bernard McKinney's out. So some of your some of your key guys, not the secondary, but some of the key guys in the front seven were out for this one. And if you look at Football Outsiders rankings of the Bills offense, defense, and special teams, because I thought I would go ahead and do that, Stephen, it probably won't surprise anybody that their offense not good going into week 17. They were ranked 21st with the Texans at 16th, so not a whole lot better, actually. And their defense, way better than the Texans. They're fifth in the NFL with the Texans 22nd. The Texans special team, special teams quietly, they've become really good. They're number four with Buffalo number 20. How about turnovers? Because that's always a major factor. I thought maybe there'd be a bigger difference with Buffalo's defense with the ability to cause more turnovers than the Texans potentially. But going into week 17, the Texans are plus one in turnover differential. The Bills, uh, they're better, but not much. They're plus four. These teams are pretty even. They are pretty even. And I, I just think, you know, with the Texans and, and their unpredictability in the postseason, I mean, it's one of those things that you just don't know how this game is going to play. But I do think that it will be a close game and it could come down to a mistake, a turnover, you know, or maybe a brilliant play by the Texans special teams that, you know, that that has certainly helped them in the last few games. And even in the Titans game, they, the special teams showed some good stuff today. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a pretty evenly matched game and a, and a close game. I, I don't think the Texans, I mean, they haven't had a penchant to blow too many teams out anyway. So, while Buffalo, you know, a lot of people weren't expecting them really to do that well, uh, they're, they're going to be tough to beat. And even the Texans playing at home, I, I think they're going to have their hands full with the Bills. It's pretty simple. Deshaun Watson, you better be better than Josh Allen. You're a better quarterback. You need to be better. This is where we need you to be better. He didn't play well at all last year against the Colts. It was terrible. It was an awful game. So Deshaun needs to show that he's a little bit more legit than he did last year. Uh, I couldn't find any old Texans on the Bills roster, Stephen, but you know which Bill might be comfortable back in Houston? Ed Oliver's had a little fun at NRG before. <laughs> well, that's certainly true. Yeah, Ed Oliver, and he's had a, a pretty good season. Uh, from what I, what little I've seen of him, he's had a good season. Five, so Five sacks, yeah. Five, five sacks. sacks. So, yeah, he's, he's going to be glad to come home and, uh, you know, beat up on his former city anyway. So yeah, that'll that'll be an interesting thing to watch. But what I, what I think Robert is that something that the Texans just haven't done all season is they need to start fast, and the defense needs to to con- prevent the other team from getting back in the game. They're just not let them get back in the game and let that momentum swing the other way, because you know that can come back to haunt you, and especially in the postseason when anything can happen. The the Texans just need to play a more consistent sixty minutes no matter who they're playing against, and, and certainly even against the Bills, I'd have to say, start fast, hold them off, and win the game. Right, and then you just want them to build off of something so maybe they have a chance in in week two because that's where you really can say, hey, the Texans, they did something this year. If they can get beyond the second game of the playoffs and potentially get to the AFC championship game, was there anything else that you had on the on the Bills-Texans? Not really, other than I, I think that, you know, coming into the season, we just weren't sure what this team was going to look like, especially with a tough schedule. So, I, I mean, they're sitting pretty at 10-6. and six. They're AFC South champions. So, yeah, I agree with what you say. You get past the Bills, the, the way the AFC has shaped up, anything can happen. So, you know, I'm, I'm not sold on the Texans getting to the AFC championship game in the Super Bowl, but I'm at least hopeful. I'm more hopeful. Let's put it this way. I'm much more hopeful than when the season started. 
I was pretty pessimistic then. So the way things are shaping up, there's always a chance. So I'm, I'm going to try not to be the curmudgeon this week and say let's yeah, they can get past the Bills. Yeah, the Bills matchup reminds me a lot of the Bengals when the Texans faced the Bengals a few years ago in, in, in the first round of, of a couple of seasons. The, the Bengals, not a tremendous offense, not a fantastic quarterback, uh, a defense that was really good, but I don't think th- th- this Bills team is a team that you know you should fear. And so it, it's after that, you know, if you're going to face the, I mean, you say anything can happen. I, I don't know if they can beat. I mean, unless Lamar Jackson gets hurt, they're not beating the Ravens. I, anybody else in the AFC, they can beat. They've beaten the Chiefs. We've yeah. seen it. We, and, they, they beat yeah. the Titans. They, I mean, we can go through the the teams. They're they're all extremely beatable from 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 that from that perspective. But not not the Ravens. No, I don't see the Ravens being beaten by anybody unless you said something happens to Lamar Jackson. But, you know, the the other thing I think we need to look for, Robert, is that because Deshaun Watson rested this week, we have to hope that he doesn't come out and that it's he, that he's rusty, that the rest actually did him some good. Maybe he'll be fresh. You know, that that's the only thing you worry about is uh, but you kind of look at it as maybe a bye week for him is that he can come back, look fresh in the Bills game. And he's got to want to be able to come through in prime time in the playoffs because he didn't last year, I'm sure that has still left a bad taste in his mouth. He definitely, he has another shot. You know he's going to want to make good on it. So hopefully that will be the case and that week of rest did him some good. Did you see what Chris Myers, the former Texan center, tweeted today? I did not. Well, this is, this is not a good look for the Texans organization. He tweeted that, quote, he was looking forward to coming back to the Texans game with my kids for the first time and experiencing the sideline pregame for a few minutes, take picks, all that kind of stuff. But it seems they pick and choose what former players they appreciate more. Tried to prep for this four months ago with any contacts I had, but hit dead ends. Uh, again, this is more Chris Myers. He said, never asked anything from the Texans since I retired five years ago until this. Very disappointing and hurtful after enjoying seven years with them and creating memories for a lifetime. Eye-opening to just see how they feel about their alumni. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. I mean, Chris Myers, he's, like you said, seven years with the Texans. I would think that they would be one of the people that they would want to bring back. So, yeah, that's interesting how they just kind of snubbed him uh, for whatever reason that they may have. Interesting. I don't know. I'm not a super fan of OB being in charge of everything because, you know, he just, he has no sentimentality, I, I think. I mean, I just, I can't see him being like, oh, I like this whole idea of celebrating a guy that, you know, couldn't get us even to an AFC championship game. But I mean, we Bill O'Brien's got to realize this isn't, you know, we're not a 50 year old franchise. We have these small memories and you got to, you know, you, 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 you got to be an organization that treats its own right. And then other other players will want to come and play for you. I mean, it's a it's a domino effect. Well, it is a domino effect. And look, uh, you know, Chris Myers by himself is certainly not the only reason that the Texans haven't made an AFC appearance. I mean, the team's only been around since 2002. You know, how many decades did the Pittsburgh Steelers go? I think they went at, you know, like 40 years before they became the dominant steel curtain team that they are. So I don't think you can, I mean, if that's what they're looking at, I don't think that's a reasonable expectation to say, well, we're not going to invite this guy back because well, he wasn't that great. We never, you know, he didn't. It's not like he took us to the Super Bowl or anything. I mean, it's part of the alumni. Uh, no matter what your contributions are, unless you gave the team a bad name, I, I think at some point in time you should be included in uh, 
coming back at least you know one season or another. Yeah, there's a lot going on in the Texans front office. It's been going in a bad direction for a few years. Not just Bill O'Brien. There's some other things. I'll just I'll just tell you guys uh, because I'm been a little bit close to that situation. So sort of know what's going on there. Um, this is something that that I wanted to bring up just briefly before we talk Rockets. Stephen uh, found out this week that Houston Oilers legendary safety Hall of Famer Kenny Houston has been battling leukemia. And one of the images of this past week that just really struck me, Stephen, was a photo posted by John McClain. It was Robert Brazil and Curly Culp at Kenny Houston's bedside in his hospital room praying for him as they both wore their Hall of Fame jackets. I know a lot of people may not remember Kenny Houston and what a contribution he was. I mean, he a lot of his career, when it really took off, is when he was traded to the Redskins in the early 70s. The Oilers were... You know, they had the back-to-back 1-13 in seasons. Kenny Houston was probably the best player on that team, and he was a good player then. But what a, what a class guy. I, I think I had just started following the Oilers at that point. Uh, it might have been Kenny Houston's last year in Houston before he was traded to the Redskins. But, you know, everything that we have ever heard about Kenny Houston has all been positive. So we wish him, certainly is in my prayers, and wish uh, him and his family well. Just uh, I can't say enough about the Oilers and how that franchise and and those players, the players have have always been such you know they've had such a chemistry and and, and a glue to that whole group and and I'm not surprised that Brazil and Curly Culp are there. It was so incredible to see them in their Hall of Fame jackets uh, at his bedside. It's just it's it's a really striking image. If you if you missed it, we put it up on. Uh, Retweeted it, of course, and it's up on the Facebook uh, page as well. Uh, the Rockets, uh, not a ton since we last talked, Stephen. Um, the loss to the Golden State was not good. But just uh, real quick, uh, in his past nine games, James Harden, uh, he continues to get so much better because he's averaging 39.2 points on, get this, 52% from the field, 48% from three. He currently, believe it or not, has his best two-point field goal percentage since 2012, his best three-point percentage since 2012, best field goal percentage since 2012, best true shooting percentage since 2012, the most blocks per game of his career, and the most points per game of anybody in history since 1963. Wow. It, it's good to see that his game is becoming more well-rounded, certainly. Um, what you have to hope for is that he continues to get help to keep the Rockets consistent. You know, I, I just – I'm, I'm starting to wish that the Rockets don't build big leads because they just disintegrate <laughs> just about. Uh, I, I must admit I didn't see the Warriors game. I was at my daughter's house on Christmas Day, and they, they aren't sports fans, so we – I, I didn't even see the the Warriors game. You didn't miss much. <laughs> no, I obviously did. I looked at the score and I said, "Yeah, I didn't miss." And I, I saw some of the highlights, but uh, you know, the game the other night, uh, they had several d- double digit leads and almost gave. Well, they did give up one. They almost gave up another, but uh, they did pull it out. But it is good to see what Harden's doing. And again, I think, you know, what's going to happen, Robert, is unfortunately for him, and unless. He wins a championship this year or next year. He's going to be one of those players that 10, 15 years from now, you look back and you go, wow, this guy really did accomplish a lot. 
but it would re- it'd be really nice if we could just enjoy it now while while it's in the moment while he's doing all this sort of thing because he's doing a lot of things that even some of the greats either didn't do or didn't do any more than he has Michael Jordan Will Chamberlain guys like that now am I am I saying that he's better than all those players not necessarily maybe from an offensive standpoint he's got to be right up there with them but you've got to enjoy no, no matter what the rockets are doing you've got to enjoy what James Harden has been doing this year and even last year when he was putting up some crazy numbers. You and I are doing this. We're recording just before the Pelicans game. James Harden is going to miss a game because of an injury, and it's almost a shock when that happens because that's how durable he's been. But tonight, uh, after you and I get finished with this, uh, we'll watch the game, but there's no James Harden with a sprained right toe no Westbrook because he's on his second game of a back-to-back, so he's not playing the second of a back-to-back. I kind of think they should consider maybe resting him in the first game of a back-to-back and when everybody else is tired, you know, Russell plays. Did we talk about that last time? Yeah, we did actually, and and we talked about just distributing the minutes a little more in some of those games instead of having just a night off. You know, that's that's what I think, and, and, they, and they're they not going to have Clint Capella for that game either, if I understand right, because he, he's been out, so... The Rockets are going to be extremely shorthanded. And so, yeah, you think, why couldn't they have just played Westbrook maybe a little bit less in the first game? And he had some fuel left. He could at least play some in the second game. So, yeah, coming into the Pelicans game, the Rockets are going to be very shorthanded, especially if Harden is out and Westbrook and Capella. Yeah, I just don't, I don't see them winning with, you know, and people are going to know this as soon as they listen to it, but I don't see them winning with this group, which means uh, considering that they're probably going to lose. Uh, they will have lost this year to the Pelicans, the Warriors, the Pistons and Sacramento. Remember they were one win away from being a two seed last year. Instead, they were a four seed last year. These losses, Steven matter. They do matter, Robert. And that's the thing that really bothers me about all this is these losses are going to add up. And if you're doing this load management thing that everybody in the league seems to be embracing right now, this is the sort of thing that can hurt you in the postseason. And you can point to some of these games in the regular season. You know, people who say the regular season doesn't matter. Well, you know what? It does matter if it comes down to one or two games where a couple of seeds difference, three seeds difference can make that difference. And this is not the first time that we've seen Russell Westbrook not play on the uh, latter end of a back-to-back. I mean, this is a pattern. And it's going to continue to be the pattern. I mean, and the good thing is at least the NBA has cut down on the number of back-to-backs, but they're still there. And another loss like this, you know, you, the injuries you can't do anything about, but the load management, you can do something about it. It's it, it's a mentality that these coaches have, really, is, is what it is. Yeah, the other thing that has bothered me about the way that they've been playing is just they're not hitting these wide, wide open three-point Shot. They've had as many wide open threes as I've ever seen, even with the Chris Paul era and, and Dwight Howard. And, and when those guys were playing at their best, the, the, the Rockets are getting all of these wide open three point shots. And Daniel House is struggling with it. Uh, ben McLemore, who had a really good stretch. Uh, he wasn't so good in the last game or two. And then, you know, you're, you're really getting a, a PJ Tucker that I feel like it's the workload. I mean, the, you got to back off the. Hopefully, Eric Gordon takes some of the workload off of PJ Tucker. House can stay healthy, and that takes off some of the workload of PJ Tucker because 
he he's just played too much and you could see in his shot he just he looks like he's shooting tired and he's gone from close to 50% from 3 down to about 40% from 3 so they've got to take some mileage off of some of these guys and and look Mike D'Antoni you've got to trust Gary Clark whether you like it or not if one of these guys are hurt you got to go to Gary Clark it can't be a seven man or eight man rotation you got to you got to help the guys out because uh, it's going to matter as the season goes on. You need these guys healthy and with their legs as this as the year goes on and a, as you get to the playoffs. Well, that's certainly true. And I think a lot of the, the injuries and the illnesses that have affected the team have kind of forced his hand on on players like P.J. Tucker, and, you know, who's certainly not getting any younger. If, if Gordon can return and be consistent, you know, maybe it'll take him a little while to get his legs under him. I don't know. But they, the Rockets could certainly use his shooting right now. You almost... You almost wish maybe maybe they need to start contesting some of these three-pointers. Maybe they'll start falling. I don't know, but so many of them have been wide open, and they're just missing them. Okay, I've done a little homework here, Stephen, and I'm ready to do a show. Hopefully you can do that uh, within the next day or two. I'd like to do a show with you on the top 10 moments in Houston sports in 2019. Would you want to do that? Oh boy, yeah, we'd have to do some thinking about that uh, because the you know the end of the the decade, the end of the year is coming up. So there have been a lot of them. I know we we kind of touched on some of them and some of the some of the other podcasts, but yeah, we could we could certainly work on that here in the next few days. Yeah, we're, we we were going to have something for you guys before New Year's Day. We'll, we'll get you something else this week. So hope hope to uh, get to talk to you guys before. New Year's, but uh, looking forward to the Texans and the Bills next Saturday. We'll, we'll have the post game, but I uh, hope you are enjoying your holidays and uh, and have a great one. The Texans, again, they lose, but who cares? They, were, they needed to lose. It was the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Touchdown!